It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and my guest today on the podcast, I am so excited to welcome our app developer who developed this incredible Our Turtle House app, Kevin Wade. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hey, thank you for having me. So besides developing this incredible app that you are listening to my podcast on, Kevin Wade is the owner and CEO of an app development company in Gilbert, Arizona called App Developers. Specifically, he has developed three incredible apps for missionaries. You can find those in the Apple Store and Google Play Store, and those are called My Mission and that was released in 2014. Missionary Display was released in 2015, and Call to Serve was released in 2016. And these missionary apps are so popular. So Call to Serve has been translated into 10 different languages, and it has been downloaded and used by families all over the world. Um, Mongolia, it's in Portuguese, German, Korean. I mean, it's it's an incredible app. Missionary Display is so cool. It basically, it, it displays missionaries as a group. So it was originally designed for families, but it allows users to create a group of missionaries. Then it displays them as a group on a world map. So a lot of state presidents have discovered this app and purchased a large touchscreen display for the building, their church building, and it provides an interactive digital map showing the missionaries in their stakes. So people can see where they are instead of the little map with like the pins in it, with, you know, where are the missionaries serving? It's an interactive digital display. And um, there are stakes in Arizona, California, and Utah that are using this. So kids can look and see where their ward members are serving. It's an interactive thing. They can get excited about their missions coming up. It is an incredible thing. And then my mission that was first started as a website, as a blog, and it's it, it's an awesome w- website. Kevin, that's still active, right? That blog and that website, yes. my mission. Yes. And, and then, of course, our Turtle House, which was launched just in 2019. So Kevin is a genius. He's super, super smart and, and has done a lot of amazing things. He... Every year, they help missionary families organize and print beautiful missionary books that preserve their mission history and experiences. And he is just passionate about helping families help their children have the very best experience possible on their mission. And and we were talking a little bit before this, how you said you want every missionary should have a rich mission experience and they should get as much out of it as possible. And that's kind of your mission and and your life calling is to help families and missionaries do that. So Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Welcome to Doing Good. Well, sure. Thank you for having me. So I would love to talk to you a little bit about how you got started developing apps. Is this something that you've done it has this been your business, you know, for a lot of years or or why specifically app development? And then what got you focused on missionary apps in particular? Great question. So I absolutely love mobile apps. It's absolutely incredible how powerful and how effective they are and how many people use them all over the world. Um, 
yes, particularly in poor countries and, and uh, countries where uh, they ha don't have a lot of technology. You know, here in the United States, we have the Internet, we all have computers, we have phones, we have everything. But in a lot of countries, they can only have one thing. And that's their cell phone. Yeah, and yeah. So they have mobile apps and that are used all over the world. And so that's been kind of fun to see. So I uh, I graduated in business administration from BYU, and then I went to film school in California. I thought I wanted to be a uh, movie producer. Awesome. And I got started in that. But um, while I was in graduate school in in uh, California for a job, I started writing computer programs for the record companies. And I wrote some of the first uh, computer programs that Billboard magazine and that the Grammy Awards uh, used to keep track of uh, which songs were popular around the world. Awesome. But then, yeah, but then I had a chance to work with uh, President Benson and his family and kind of help them digitize some of his family history. So I quit school and in California and I moved to Utah and I started working with the Benson family, just digitizing a lot of their family records and things. Wow. And one of the things that I got to do was I got to see President Benson's missionary photographs. He has two tiny little photo albums. President Benson went on his uh, mission to England in, in uh, 1921. And, wow. um, you know, from my perspective, uh, I didn't even know they took pictures back then. <laughs> let <Yeah>. alone <laughs> that missionaries had uh, took photos and had photo albums and stuff. And anyway, so... Um, Reed Benson, his son, arranged for us to see that, and we went over to the church uh, uh, archive, and they they brought that out to us, and we were able to look at that and inspect it and digitize some of the pictures that President Benson had in there. Wow! Absolutely amazing to see how important his mission was in his life, yes, in President Benson's life, and to hear the stories and to see the pictures of his mission, and how much it changed his life. And one of the most interesting experiences that I ever had, and you can see this in President Benson's biography in uh, the first of chapter two, he tells a story about the first talk that he ever gave on the Book of Mormon. He was asked to speak at a, a meeting for new members, and he was told to speak on the apostasy, but instead he went down there and I think the spirit kind of convinced him or told him to talk about the Book of Mormon. And he was stunned. But he said that that was the first time in his life that he had really felt the spirit. And wow. it's, very, it's a very interesting experience because it changed his life, but his missionary companion also recorded it in his journal too. Oh, and how amazing. And so as I grew up, I listened to President Benson talk about how important the Book of Mormon is. It was yes. really, but all of those experiences and, and how he felt about the Book of Mormon totally came from his mission. And from the, and you can trace it right back to the very first talk that he gave as a missionary about the Book of Mormon. That is incredible. Well, and Kevin, you... So I, I would love to talk about your mission as well. Um, what a neat experience to be able to hear that from the prophet, from President Benson about his mission um, and see those old fashioned black and white pictures that were probably really grainy. And uh, how neat is that? And I imagine like what what kind of cameras did they have? They had to lug around like big giant cameras that hung around their necks. You know, they didn't have the little handheld <laughs> devices that we have now that makes it so easy to upload pictures and um, probably their families didn't even see those 
I mean, for weeks and months later, if they did the snail mail or just until they got home from their mission to really tell them about what's going on. And I think about the families now that can talk to their missionaries every week, that can see them face to face, that can have conversations with them. And instead of kind of sending your son or daughter away and not hearing for them to a foreign country for two years, besides just mail every once in a while, oh, I, I just how hard that would be. And now there are so many incredible ways that we can keep in touch with our missionaries and support them. And really the family is now being encouraged to support their missionaries in so many ways. But I'd love to talk about your mission. You served in the Japan, is it called Sapporo? Yeah. The Japan Sapporo mission. Yeah. Japan Sapporo mission. And um, you said that you were called the frozen chosen missionaries <laughs> are often called the frozen chosen because it, it is so cold. So Sapporo is an Island off the East coast of Siberia in Russia. And it, during the winter, it gets minus 40 during the, is that right? During the day? Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly cold. Actually, it's interesting. Sapporo is the very Northern Island in Japan and the Japanese people, when I was there uh, 30 years ago or so, 40 years ago, um, they had the 100th anniversary for Japanese people settling Sapporo. Before that, there, there were people there called the Inus, which are really very much like our Alaskan Eskimos and stuff. So, Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so <laughs> serving in Sapporo was a lot like serving in Alaska, I suppose. Oh, was, I bet. It was very cold. And even the Japanese people, as crowded as they are, didn't even live there until 100 years before I got there because it was just so cold. So, yeah, it, it was a so cold. It was a cold place. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And what was that, what was that experience like for you? Tell me about being away from home, growing up in hot Mesa, Arizona, <laughs> a desert, and then going to freezing cold Island in Japan. Was it, did you feel prepared? Was it a shock for you? How did you adjust to that? Well, I was excited about my mission. I was excited to go and I came from a good LDS family and stuff. So I think that I probably had that as easy as possible. But of course, learning the Japanese language was difficult. Um, and of course, the the weather conditions and, and things like that were really tough, too. But I think the most amazing thing on my mission was just a few of the miracles that I saw. I mean, I literally saw it change lives. It changed my life. And there's a handful of things that I brought home and that I experienced there that kind of your mission will always change your life. And you will, every missionary that I know sees miracles and experiences firsthand miracles on their mission. And a lot of times the changes are pretty dramatic. I mean, it seems like that every missionary is headed one direction. They think they know where they want to go to school. They think they know who they want to marry. They think they yeah. know all this stuff. And whenever they come home, they're a very changed people. And I remember reflecting on the airplane on the way home about the, this, these handful of stories and experiences that I had and how different I was when I was coming home. One of the things that a mission teaches you that's so important is love and the power of love. Yes. Because the reason that I was able to serve effectively is because of the love that I felt from Heavenly Father, the love that I have felt from my family, from the church, from the members that support you. But then to share that love with other people and see how that can change their life and change their thinking um, is just absolutely incredible. And to develop that love for the Japanese people, um, there's nothing like it. No, there's nothing like it. And my husband served his mission in Puerto Rico, and I was privileged to go there with him a few years ago after Hurricane Maria hit the island. 
and um, they were didn't have power. And um, we went with a group called Light Up Puerto Rico. And we were just there for uh, five days. And I remember walking around the island with him and we were knocking doors. And instead of delivering the light of the gospel, we were delivering literal light, literal lanterns and water to people that had been without power for months. Mm -hmm. And um, as we were walking one of the streets in this little mountain town, my husband turned to me and he said, and I was so emotional and overcome with that love that you're talking about. And that was only five days. I did not speak a lick of Spanish. My husband taught me one phrase and it was, um, we are here to give you light. And that was the only thing I learned. And then they would immediately start talking back. And I'd look at my husband like, that's the only thing I know how to say. And he said, he turned to me and, and I was so emotional. And, and he said, this is what it's like to serve a mission. And it gets me emotional. He said, imagine doing this every day for two years, teaching people, truly falling in love with them, loving them with a love that amazes you. This is what it is like serving a mission. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I have four boys. My oldest is 12. And I think I want this for them so badly to experience just, and and it was the kind of service that was exhausting. We would fall into bed at night after walking miles and miles and it was hard and it was tough and, and not everyone was as friendly, you know, it was difficult, but but the love that you develop for someone when you're serving them, especially when you're bringing something like the light of the gospel to their lives, there's nothing like it. So what would you say, Kevin, to people that are listening that have a son or daughter that's maybe preparing to serve a mission and are unsure if they want to go or if it's the right thing or they're afraid to leave their family and friends for two years? How can you describe what this kind of love is like, why is it so important to serve a mission? What what advice could you give to those families to help encourage their kids to make this life-changing decision? Well, the first thing I'd tell them is strap themselves in. You know, I don't know anybody who goes on a mission that doesn't ha- see miracles, witness huge miracles and changes in people's lives. And it's at a magnitude and a level that you will never believe or never understand. You know, I remember teaching one uh mother in Japan who had had an abortion. And in, in Japan, they they promote abortions. They uh, promote the idea of smaller families and stuff like that. And this mom had been devastated for years and she was really struggling. And she had a very low self-esteem because of one single abortion. And when we told her that when she was baptized, if she got baptized, that that would be washed away and that the pain would go and that the guilt would go and things like that. It absolutely changed her life. And when she was baptized and joined the church and felt that love again, it was an absolute miracle. And to do that dozens of times over and over again, you can't imagine the benefits that you have. So um, uh, I think it's uh, the most important thing and the best experience that anybody can have any time in their life. And especially these young kids that are just at the, you know, taking their first steps really as adults and really starting to experience the world and go out. Our Heavenly Father's really blessed us to make missions and experience at the very first of our life when we're just starting our professional careers or our, our living independently and to make something that will change your life and set you on the right course. I agree with that, that kids that are on the precipice of adulthood and they're just getting ready to 
find out who they are and what they want, it is a perfect time to start with service, to start with with you know living in a different place, a lot of times learning a different language, learning about different people, like what better way to begin life and 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 adulthood than by discovering other people and cultures and and first serving other people. I I think that's that's a perfect way um to you know begin to spread your wings as as an adult and and to be independent and think outside yourself. It's you know growing up it's childhood is is very selfish as it should be. Like we do everything for our kids. Um we you know we provide their their home and their food and their safety and their sports and we you know give them everything and then suddenly it's Okay, now go make a life for yourself. And and when you turn it over to the Lord, I think it's a great way to set them up for, for success in life. Um, so your son, um, he served a mission. And tell me how to say this. Is it the Adriatic? Yeah, Adriatic North Mission. Where is that? <laughs> so that's what I, <laughs> I needed to figure that one out too. So it sounded like it was one of the Baltic states. Up that's in what I was thinking. Russia and stuff, but it's not. It's actually Southern Russia. It's actually down uh, across the Adriatic Sea from Italy. It's just behind Italy. It's where the former Yugoslavia used to be. Oh wow! So it's it's between Greece and and Italy. It's uh, so it's kind of the southern part. But it took me about fifteen minutes to find it on a map. Uh, yeah, like where is this? So <laughs> so this is kind of when the mymission.com was born. Is when your son was getting ready to serve his mission, and you wanted to set up a blog, um, for his friends and cousins that were leaving at the same time and, and, and to kind of just keep in touch, right. With, with everyone that was leaving. Well, so, see, so that's very interesting. So my father-in-law is a great guy, he, but he's a rancher in Montana and he's not a member of the church. And so when my children were getting old enough to leave on their missions and stuff, he was against it. He didn't think that it would benefit them at all. And, um, so after my son got his mission call, he was called to serve on the other side of the world in countries that we weren't familiar with at all. They're actually beautiful countries and one of the most pristine places that you can go on your vacations. But wow. I didn't know that at the time. Anyway, my father-in-law, I wanted to share my son's mission experience with my father-in-law because I knew my mission experience was very important to me taught me hundreds of important things. And I really wanted him to see how great it was and how much my son would grow. And so all I did was, it was completely selfish. I My son left on his mission and I just set up a blog uh, in his name, seanwade.com. And I just started posting his missionary letters and pictures there so my father-in-law could read it that day uh, up on his ranch in Montana. And then from that, grew this awesome website where other people could do the same thing. Is that right? Yeah. So I had a great website for my son and I thought I was done, but then everybody else, all of his friends and all of his cousins and stuff were all the same age and they all wanted websites too. When they saw the one that my son had. And so uh, I started helping him individually, but that was too much work. Yes. And so I decided that the only way to help all these people set up blogs for their missionaries was to get a domain name and set up a, a website that everybody could use. And so I, I bought the domain name, uh, mymission.com from a guy in Korea. And I, I started building that as a common website that any missionary could use for free yeah. and uh, just uh, register there and start uploading the pictures and the letters that they send home every week. 
That is so awesome. And and now um, mymission.com is still up and running, but you have several apps that missionaries um, can use. So tell us a little bit about them. Tell us about um, the Call to Serve app that you have right now. Yeah, so this shocked me the most. Okay, so the website's been very popular. There's about 23,000 missionaries or so that use it today. And that's a lot of missionaries that use it in all over the world. But the thing that surprised me most was uh, this was back in 2000. My son served his mission from 2011 to 2013. And if you think about it, uh, Apple introduced their iPhone in, in 2008 and in 2009. That's when it first be start, started to become popular. And the apps and stuff really took off about 2010, 2011, when my son was on his mission. And Apple launched a huge ad campaign called there there's an app for that campaign you know and they were talking about how there's an app kind of for everything now you know and i looked in the app store and there was no apps that really would help you track your missionary or follow your missionary and so being an app developer myself i decided i need to make one now i didn't know how important apps were i didn't know how powerful they were i didn't i had no idea um what I was doing and why I was doing it. But I, I already had the My Mission website and it was simply a blog that, sh- that you could go to you know, on the internet. But I decided at the last half of my son's mission to create an app, a companion app that would go with that and show the same data. And oh my gosh, um, you know, I love the app. Anywhere I go, I could pull my phone out and show people my son's mission. Anytime they wanted to uh, catch up on what he was doing, they could just download the app and look at everything. Maps of where he served. It shows the weather. It shows the time. It shows how many days they have left. It, it, it captures their companions, you know, and it captures the locations. It creates maps that show every place that they served and stuff. And so this app became just so fun. It's like a big puzzle that parents can do when they're when their children are on missions, and uh, uh, I I know one of the ladies down the street, her son, she was using it for her son at the same time. Yeah, uh, Michelle Ellsworth, and she told me one day, she says, Kevin, I know why you're doing this, and I, I go, Why am I doing this? Because it was crazy, you know. Tell me, yeah, <laughs> tell yeah. me why. And she said, It's because you're proud of your son, because you love your son, and I think that's true. I think that I. Uh, I wanted to get as much out of his mission as I could. And I learned a lot of important secrets and tricks that, that you could really do that, that any missionary parent can make their mission count a hundred times more, can make it a hundred times more effective and to get more out of it than you even imagine. Tell us about some of those secrets and tricks that you learned. Okay. So I love that. So the first is when missionary parents have see their missionaries off at the airport or drop them off at the MTC, there's all of a sudden this huge void in their life yeah. and they feel like they're not needed anymore. They've, they've needed them as children. They report to them and talk to them as children all the time. But as soon as they leave on their mission, all of a sudden they feel like they can't communicate with them and they're gone. And the missionary fa- families, their parents feel like they've lost something in their lives. And the key is, and I tell this to new missionary parents, especially missionary moms all the time, is that you need to look at your child's mission, not just as their mission, but as your mission. And you need to use their mission as an excuse to meet more people, to have more spiritual experiences and to do more in the church than you ever thought possible. And so one of the things that I learned to do that was so cool is that as my children, you know, if you sit back and you're just watching them on their mission, you feel bad. You feel depressed because they're out there having great experiences, learning things, going places and meeting people. That's what's happening. Yeah. Well, 
what I learned to do is do the same thing back home. So when my child would get a new missionary companion, for example, I would immediately ask them, where are they from? And inevitably they'd tell me, oh, their parents, you know, they, they came from Utah or from Idaho or from Texas or from whatever. Yeah. And so I would call their parents. I would find their parents of their companion. I would track them down. I'd call them up on the phone and I'd get acquainted with them. I'd just introduce myself as, hey, I'm your son's new companion's dad, you know, and stuff like that. And then I would hook up with them no matter where they were. I, I would go and make an appointment to go to dinner with them or something. And we'd go out to dinner. And it was so fun. I, I got to go to dinner and talk to and meet missionary parents around the church. And missionary parents are just like you. And they're the funnest people in the world to meet. And here's the funny thing. What we would do at every time we did that, you know, we'd just go out and talk about our son or our daughter and have a good good time. But yes. every time we'd take a picture together, we'd have somebody step back and take our picture together with my son's companions, parents, and my wife and I. And yes. then I would email that picture to my son the next time I wrote him on his mission. And they would be so shocked because they knew that their companion came from Texas or from Utah or from Idaho or whatever. And when they yes. got a picture of their parents together and and uh, and saw that, they were shocked to know that we would be able to meet each other and hook up and, and just, you know, learn from each other. So, yes. yeah, I don't think that my son met many more uh, LDS people than I did. And I, I met some great LDS families. The missionary parents are e even better and more interesting than the missionaries are. And uh, I fell in love with their companions' families. I'm good friends with them, all of them to this day, because I've met them personally. And, and they look out for me and we've done, they've done favors for me too. So um, that is awesome. And a great idea to get to know, your your son or daughter's companions and their families and listen to their stories and get to know them. And I and I, I really like the idea of um using their mission as a mission for yourself too, as an opportunity to share the gospel more in your life and to make your family a part of the mission experience and and to share the gospel more and talk about the Book of Mormon more and, and use that is an opportunity. Okay, well, we're going to up our game too as a family. That's such a great idea. Well, and another thing that's kind of fun is we would tell our these other families about this app and about the My Mission website, stuff like that. And they'd start putting their son or daughter's letters and pictures and stuff in it too. And it was super fun because every week I would get a, an email from my son or daughter telling what happened in their life. And yeah. then I would go read their companion's email that they sent home and stuff because their families were sharing it too. So it's like I was getting two emails every week with pictures and stuff. Yeah. And it was amazing to me to see them experience the same things, but to, to read it from two different perspectives, read what happened right. from two different perspectives. It was really cool. That is really cool. It was so, like double the missionary letters every week. Yeah, right. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about mymission.com. If people go to this website, can they um, download the apps as well? Are the apps available? And and tell, so tell us a little bit about the, um, the difference between the website and the apps and what are some of the tools that people will be able to find on the app or website that can help them as their son or daughter is serving a mission? Yeah. So the first place I'd go where I'd start is the app store, actually. And I okay. would do a search for a call to serve. It's in the okay. app store in both Apple and Google. It's such a cool app. I downloaded all of our apps and our website is free. That's something that I've been committed to do is just make them free to everybody. And awesome. so, so you just go to the app store, search for call to serve, put it on your phone, create an account for you. And then you can add a new account for a missionary and you can you can add in your own son or daughter's account or you can search and and find other missionaries that you want to follow. 
And a lot of times you can find their companions and stuff in there too. There's, there's thousands of missionaries that use it every day. Awesome. And what do you hope that people will take away from, from you? What is, what do you hope the future of call to serve is for the app? What do you hope that missionary families will be able to really take away from, from having the app or, or from the, my mission website? How do you see this affecting their lives in the future? So their mission is actually extremely important and it's going to change your child's life. It's going to absolutely change your life. The question is, is how much is, is it going to change? And there's things that you can do to help it so that they get the most out of their mission, that they can really get a hundred times more benefit from their mission than if they just go out there and serve it. And one of the yeah. things that we do is we is the call to serve app is just designed to save all of their missionary letters they send home, all the pictures they send home. You could put in where they're serving, the cities that they're serving in. You could put in their, who their companions are. And you could put in a thing called highlights, which is any important dates that happen during their mission. So like, for example, a baptism is an important date. And you can yes. just record that in this list of highlights. And then you can attach to that pictures and, and stuff, letters and things that, that, that happened on that day. But anyway, so you, so... Um, the most important thing I'd like parents to know, I built it so that I could have a really nice book. It could create a really nice book for my children when they get home. Yeah. You know, I'm not a artsy, craftsy kind of person. I didn't know how to do scrapbooking and I didn't know how to do nice papers and nice letters and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't have time for that either. So I yes. needed to set up an automated system, an automatic way so that the computer could collect all that information, could organize it and then could create a book for me. And that's what this does. And, and one of the key things, if you want to use it, what it does is when you create a missionary account, it actually creates a private email address just for that missionary at mymission.com. Awesome. So, it's, so it's their missionary name at mymission.com. You can find it in the app on the administration page. But anyway, what, what you do is you just have your missionary add that email address to the group of emails that he sent it out. So every missionary, when they write home, they usually have a small group of people that they send those, uh, their letters and their pictures to. Right. But, but even if they send it only to mom, you have them add this address and a copy of their letter will go straight into our database, straight to the server and straight into our database. And so it's just automatically saving those every week. The parents don't have to do anything. You don't have to upload the letters later. You don't awesome. have to attach the pictures, upload the pictures and attach them anything. You just ha have the missionary uh, add this email address to all their correspondence. And as you write back and forth, any letter that any email that you want to save and the parents can do this too. You just add this second email address on our server that is and a so copy cool. will go straight into the service uh, server and get saved for you. So everything's pretty much automated. And at, at the end of their mission, you just pick the book color cover you want, the colors you want, add a picture for the front and some text and click a button and it automatically creates a really nice book. I think that is the neatest idea. And it's something that's so easy. It's you're making the book as you go along. It's not like, okay, now I have to go through all the pictures and all the stories and everything and try to upload it. It's, it's done for you. So when they get home, they can have this beautiful keepsake that for you and for them to take, you know, when, when they move out of the house and they're gone for the rest of their lives. I think that is such an incredible thing. And, and what a beautiful way to remember those incredible two years or year and a half for, you know, um, for sister missionaries, um, serving their mission. So yeah, I would love 
let me tell you an example, for example. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I mentioned in Japan 40 years ago. And when I was there, they created the first stake in our mission. And that was a great spiritual experience for me. I've never served in a place where there was no formal church organizations. It was just a district and there was very few members and everything. But we, when we were there, the missionaries worked hard and we created the first stake. Well, now, a few years ago, the church built a, a new temple in Sapporo, Japan, and I wanted to go back to my mission. Yes. And I, when I went back, I wanted to go to the cities that I served in, go see the places that I served, and maybe even meet some of the people that I, that I taught. Yes. Well, I looked on, I zoomed in on Google Earth, and it was so cool, I could zoom in on any city I wanted to in Japan and look around, and I didn't recognize anything. You know, when I'm serving my mission, I think I'll never forget. I lived here. I worked here. I, you just, everything is so fresh in your mind, right? Yeah. But after you get married and you have children, those memories of your mission kind of get pushed out of yeah. your memory. And I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't, I couldn't recognize anything, but fortunately my mother had my letters that I wrote home and awesome. she had the envelopes and they had the return addresses on all the envelopes. And so I put that into my mission. I put that into our map system and called to serve. I digitized all my missionary records and stuff and put it in myself. Awesome. And it, and Google, we use Google Maps and it's so accurate. It put a pin on the roof of every building that I lived in, oh, you know, wow. every return address I had. So when I went back to Japan, I, and I, I didn't go back to Japan, but if I went back to Japan, I could go literally to the exact location, even if it, the building had been torn down or something else, you know, built there or whatever, I could go to the exact location and know every single place that I served. That is so cool. And be able to see that. Well, it was so neat for me to go when when I flew out to Puerto Rico and to see where my husband lived. And there it was actually kind of scary. There were a few places that had actually been boarded up and, you know, <laughs> and closed off and in scary parts. And I'm like, you lived here. And he's like, well, it wasn't, I didn't think it was that scary back then. I'm like, this is the scariest part of the scariest neighborhood. And this house is all boarded up and there's weeds overgrown and there were wild iguanas running around and just like, it was so scary. And he's like, oh, he said, well, first of all, it was different, you know, 15 years ago, 17 years ago when I was on my mission. But also he said, when you're serving a mission, you don't have the same eyes. You you don't look around and think, oh, this is scary. And this, he's like, we, I did, didn't even, like, it didn't even register to me. It was just like, oh yeah, this is where we are. This is where we live. These are the people and we love them. And he said, I, I looked at it completely differently. There was definitely that I think protection around missionaries for sure. Um, but maybe also the mis mission goggles that you're not, I don't know, maybe it's boys too. Cause I feel like maybe girls would have been a little more observant of this looks sketchy <laughs> and boys are just like, ah, that's fine. Um, but as we wrap up this podcast, Kevin, I would love to hear about a specific experience um, that you had on your mission. You, you're so passionate about the miracles and, and the incredible experiences that, that you had and that you know missionaries will experience. I would love to hear, if you wouldn't mind sharing, um, one of your favorite stories, if you can choose one from your mission and, and how it's impacted your life even still today. Sure. So uh, uh, toward the end of my mission, the last uh, six or eight months or so, I was serving as a uh, district leader or uh, a zone leader, sorry, a zone leader in the very northern tip of Japan. And our zone was huge. It was um, the the main city was Asahigawa, which is in the center of the island. But our zone extended from there all the way to the very northern tip. And on the very northern tip of Japan, there was a, a tiny little fishing village called Wakanai. And it was by train, it was like six hours away. 
And that was in our zone. It was one of the furthest points in our zone. And the, the church had had missionaries there before, but the work was so hard and they had so little success. They only baptized two people. They baptized a father and a, and a young girl, a young single girl. And what was so cool to me was the missionaries hadn't been in that city for years, but because we were the zone leaders, they asked us to go back to that city once a month and bless the sacrament for them. And it was so cool because we left it on the train at 2 a.m. in the morning and we traveled for eight hours. We'd get there on Sunday morning, we'd go. The church didn't have a building, of course, or anything. So we'd go over to the, the man's house, the 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 father's house. We'd go to his house and we had we had uh, a small uh, church service in on the second floor of his house. And there was usually nobody there. He lived downstairs. And a lot of times he wouldn't even come upstairs to the meeting. And sometimes this girl wouldn't show up. But the church knew that give, blessing the gospel, the sacrament and giving the sacrament to these people in the city, just two of them, was so important that they would send us for eight hours on the train, would bless that, and then turn around and come back for eight more hours on the train just to make sure they had the sacrament. And the, I think one of the neatest experiences is I left to do that. And we got up to walk and I were on the, the, the edge of the, the church, the edge of the gospel, you know, the furthest edge. Yes. Uh, I got a phone call from the mission home just before we started sacrament meeting and nobody showed up. There was nobody there. It was just me and my companion, but I got a phone call from the mission office and they told me that, uh, President Kimball was the prophet, the prophet, the president of the church. Then they told me, they gave me the news that, that the gospel had been extended to include the priesthood for the blacks, all of the blacks worldwide, you know, and it, it was really a, just a neat experience to be in such a remote part of the earth, to be uh, in a place where missionary work really hadn't uh, taken root yet, but to see how, much effort and time the church was putting into making sure that the sacrament was here for these people. And then to see them extend the gospel, the, the temple blessings and the priesthood blessings and stuff to the, to the black people all over the world. It was a, it was just a really cool experience to, um, to know that all that was happening and see everybody uh, working so hard to take the message of the gospel to the world, to give it, to share it with the world. That is such a neat experience. And to know that, you know, the scripture that talks about how Heavenly Father is aware of all of his children on, on the isles of the sea to Africa, to the tiny tip of Japan, down to Puerto Rico. I mean, he's aware of all of his children and, and it meant a lot to him to be able to have his two out of several billion people be able to take the sacrament, even though if they didn't show up, was it frustrating sometimes? You're like, hey, can you just come upstairs for a minute because we just took an eight-hour train ride to give you the well, sacraments. So do you want to best mission? The best <laughs> mission will will first convert the missionary first. I think that's the 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 first and the most important miracle of my mission. I already had a, a testimony of the gospel. Yeah. I've always had a testimony of the gospel. Yeah. But boy, it really showed me how important it was and how it really worked. And so yeah. I, it's really strengthened my testimony. Then the, the next person that you need to save on your mission is actually your companion. And a lot of my companions were native Japanese elders and oh, they had wow. only been members of the church for a few years and stuff. Yes. And it was, it was just really cool 
to see how their lives changed and to and to live together as an American and a Japanese working, yeah. you know, to, to serve the Lord. And they're just the best people in the world. So if if you don't have any baptism on your mission, but you come back converted yourself, you've had a great mission. And if For you sure. can touch the lives of some of your companions and stuff, you've had a great mission. Now I had a lot of success and we had several baptisms and stuff, but but to see the effort that we went to to go bless the sacrament for people that we knew wouldn't even be there at church. I mean, we just it was important. We had it every month. And uh, uh, most of the time, nobody showed up. But um, we felt great about, about being there and offering it, having it there for them. Sometimes they did. You know, I, I felt sorry for him. This, this father uh, who we went to his house, at, right after he joined the church, he worked in a warehouse and a refrigerator fell off of a, a shelf. Uh, he was from a, a forklift and, and, and crushed his back and broke his back right after he joined the church. And, and he felt like that he was trying to do the right things in his life. And yet he got this really severe injury to his back. Yeah, yeah. And he, and it made him wonder, because uh, these are not Christian people. I mean, they're mostly Shinto and Buddhist, you know, yes. and, and so it scared him, I think. To oh, think sure. And did I do the right thing? Was this a warning sign? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and the and the girl had kind of joined the church mostly because she was interested in the American missionaries, I think. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but these these were great people, and it's cool because when they were there, when they did come, um, you could feel the love and the bond and the interest that they had in the gospel. And so it was totally worth it. And that was a place that you would have related to as far as being, you know, kind of tough and run down and everything. The missionaries in their apartment, they'd had rats, they had, you know, cric crickets. The missionaries that served there would, would read the scriptures in the morning. They all held had bats and sticks. And whenever a rat would run out under the refrigerator or the cockroaches would crawl across the floor, they'd swat the bat and go back to reading. Oh, my goodness. I cannot <laughs> even imagine that. Oh, yeah, right. my goodness. Just all right. T for, time for scriptures. Grab your bats. Grab yeah. your bats in your Book of Mormon. <laughs> exactly. But, but, our, but the apartments weren't substandard. They were just what everybody else in the town had. I mean, it was were, just normal. Yeah, normal, was normal to have so, rats and, and roaches. For, for the elders, though, it was fun. I mean, the reason that they didn't notice that that there was bug infested places because that was the entertainment that they had. That was cool. Was, was the hit what is it with boys and bugs? It's really true. My husband has pictures of there was a cockroach that they could not get rid of in their apartment. They named him Lenny. And he, they're like, oh, here's Lenny. And they take pictures of Lenny. And he was giant. And it was so disgusting. They'd have lizards and iguanas and spiders. And I mean, all sorts of crazy critters that would... And he had pictures of them all in his apartment. He's like, here they are. And like, oh, I just can't. I can't even imagine. But that teach it does. It teaches you grit and it teaches you, you know, not to be so picky and, and maybe not to be scared. <laughs> and those are actually the most interesting stories and the ones that you share with your kids and for sure. You know, your grandchildren and your grandchildren's children, you know, for generations is the is the challenges and the the uh, calamities yeah. of the tough times that you had. Sure. It, it makes you, it builds character. It makes you a stronger yeah. person. Well, yeah. Kevin, thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast today. Tell us again where people can go. Tell us um, to download the apps and um, the mymission.com where people can get started. Um, if they'd love to learn about more, how they can help their missionary center daughter. 
Yeah, so the first and most important thing, go to the App Store and find the app called to serve. It's named Call to Serve. If you search for it, you'll find it there. You can create your account there. You can add your missionaries there, and you can follow as many missionaries as you want. So it just awesome. provides you a tool to to watch all of your friends, your sons or your daughter's friends on their missions. Yeah. And then, and then when you create that, the account is automatically created at mymission.com. So you can use your same email address and your same password to log into my mission anytime, mymission.com anytime. Um, it use, it shares the same database. So any information that goes into one is immediately visible in the other. And, uh, and you don't need to create a different account for each one. You just log in with your same account. So I'd start with the, the app. It's a little easier for people to figure out, start with the app. And then if you want to work on your computer, if you want to, uh, you know, build your book on the computer, you can do it either place, but you can do it on the app too. And if anyone has problems or questions, the, the only way, good way to do it. Uh, our documentation isn't that great. We do have a YouTube channel that some missionary moms in Utah created, and I can send you there. But the, the best thing to do is you can call me or text me anytime. Uh, my phone number is 480-633-8000. That's 480-633-8000. Uh, I'm in Arizona. You're very welcome to call or text me anytime. To me, this is all church service. It's all missionary service. It's something that I call myself calling. So you're welcome to call on nights and weekends or, uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, it's my personal cell phone and I'd be happy to help you and coach you if you need help. Well, that is so generous and kind of you, Kevin. I'm sure a lot of people will take you up on that. So be prepared for an <laughs> yeah, invite. About that. <laughs> that is so kind of you. And and what a great thing for families. And 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 like you said, people, even you know, friends and family that are not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but would love to keep up with their niece or nephew or grandchildren and and see what they're doing and and cheer them on and help support them. I know that. Um, missionaries need all the love and support and cheering on they can get from from both sides of the veil. So I think you are doing an incredible thing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for all the good you are doing. You're very welcome. Yeah, it's really fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.